about myself to you. Um, I am a foodie. I love food. I, I have gained my weight based on food. Um, and the thing is, is when I eat food, it is not just I go to my favorite restaurant. I have to find a new restaurant all the time, look on the menu, find the special. If I don't like the special, I make my own special. I'm that kind of person. And anyone who knows me well enough knows that that is a, a blessing that they get to experience when they're with me. Now, in order to find these restaurants, the new ones that I love, I love to turn to a website called Yelp. Uh, if you guys are familiar with Yelp, it's a review website that people can write little reviews, give it up to five stars. And I thought I would share with you just a couple uh, fun Yelps that would really highlight what we're going to be talking about today. So the first one is from, for a Chinese restaurant, three stars. Uh, I ate there about three hours ago. Now I have diarrhea. As far as Chinese buffets go, this one's pretty good. <laughs> I'd consider it. The next one, it's an updated review. You see, you can update your reviews as you go. If, if maybe you had a great experience one time and the next time not so great, you can update it. So they updated it. They said, I must downgrade to three stars. After the last bus I was on, ran over two pedestrians and kept going. I would probably give it a one star, but Three stars is fine for them. Uh, and the last one, my favorite, in case you were interested, the Alameda County Santa Rita Jail got five stars. 31 people have checked in. Uh, and as far as jails go, they said, this is the creme de la creme. First off, you don't even need a ride here. They pick you up from anywhere in the county. And sometimes you don't even need to get out of bed and they will bring you, and it is all free of charge. <laughs> all right. Definitely not checking in there. The reason I bring this up is today we're gonna be looking at Daniel 3. We're in this series in Daniel, and we're talking about uh, this secular, uh, where sacred meets secular, this idea of where this group of, of men was shipped to Babylon, and they were being put in tension with their faith in this very secular, very pagan culture. And we're going to be talking a little bit about today of the story of, uh, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And their journey in which they stood up for their faith against all public opinion. And we're going to get into the text, and it's a very interesting story because as I've grown up and I've heard it, and uh, I've even misquoted uh, Shadrach's name by calling him Radshack because of Radshack and Benny, um, if you're familiar with Veggie Tales. Um, this story is actually a lot deeper and has a lot for us to, to uh, look at. And so in Yelp, you have these good reviews and you have bad reviews, but the thing is, is when you do a Yelp review, the owner can't change it. They can't delete it, and it is permanent. And there are a lot of people out there that will just do a Yelp review because they don't like the organization or they don't like the business. They've never gone there. They've never been a part of it. They just say, one star, this is terrible because the people are terrible. And we are getting to a time in our culture as the church where our scripture is going against the court of public opinion. 
where something that we hold to dearly in scripture, and even if we communicate it in a loving way, is still considered hate and bigotry. And so we're going to look at, at Daniel, and we're going to look at this in the context of how he's, they're going to, uh, the three guys are going to go up in the court of, of Nebuchadnezzar and translate that to how we engage the court of public opinion. So King Nebuchadnezzar, here's the context here, verse 1. If you're joining us, turn to Daniel 3, 1. It'll be also on the screen right here. We're going to go through the whole chapter, so buckle your seatbelts. It's going to be a fun ride. Uh, Daniel, 1, Daniel 3, 1 through 2 begins with this. Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, which, whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth was six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar set to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the providence to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. When we look at this context, this is a 90 foot by 9 foot statue or tower. Uh, the front of our building, if you walked in today, it's, it's tall. Well, it's three times that height. So if you looked, and I'm sure some of you will at the end of service go like this and measure up, but it was only nine feet wide. I'm, like my wingspan, I think, is about six. So if you picture that, that's not very wide. We don't know what the image of gold was, but there's a lot of people that look at it and go, last chapter, as Dave, Pastor Dave was talking about last week, uh, Nebuchadnezzar had set up this golden, or had this golden statue in his dream where the top was gold and then other parts of it were silver and bronze and iron, and the gold part represented him. And so Nebuchadnezzar is probably pretty stoked to think, I'm this great king, let's set up this tower, I would like to call it an obelisk. I'm going to just say obelisk because that's the way I picture it because it's so tall and, and narrow. And in order to show how important this is, what he did was he ordered all of the leadership of Babylon. That's what all these satraps, the prefects, the governors, he ordered them all to come. The regional governors, military leaders, people in the courts, the financial people. They all came out to bow down to this thing. Now, when we look at the rest, as we continue on in this passage, in verse 3, it says that the satraps, uh, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, all those people uh, gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. This group... Uh, and the herald proclaimed aloud, you are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Okay, there's a lot going on, a lot of names, a lot of different things, and, and why... I want you guys, why we're spending some time really diving into this first part, 
and why they repeat these names and they'll repeat these instruments a ton of different times is to show this emphasis that there was a large gathering of people and the large gathering of people were there to worship this idol. And this worship of the idol isn't just necessarily a worship ceremony, it is a nationalistic anthem. You see, Nebuchadnezzar had just kind of consolidated his power. He had just, he was in the early years of his reign. And what he wanted to do was basically gather the people together, say, this is my kingdom, you need to bow down to me. You need to trust me and listen to me. I am the king. And so by worshiping his idol, they would in a sense be worshiping him. And in verse six, we continue on, and, and we're setting this context, the stage here for the, the huge story that's about to unfold. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as the peoples heard the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, these musical instruments, that they all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshiped the golden image of the king that the king had set up. Nebuchadnezzar made this so important that the consequences for disobeying it wasn't just this, this punishment where they would have a trial and they would be imprisoned. No, this was a furnace that if the obelisk is here, the furnace is like over here. And it, we're still on the plain of Dura. So we're out on this big, massive Dura actually literally means plain translated. So it's this plain, like flat land, everybody's there. We're not in some kind of courtroom, we're not in some kind of throne room, we are outside in this story. And the furnace is right there. If you disobeyed the, the command to bow down, you were grabbed and thrown into the fire in front of everybody. This was a public display to show the power of Nebuchadnezzar. And so if you disobeyed this, then, then that would be what would happen to you. And so for the Jewish people in leadership, they had a struggle in front of them. Now, when I grew up, I, I didn't come from necessarily a very religious home, but we knew the Ten Commandments. Everybody here generally knows the term Ten Commandments, right? I mean, that's not a foreign concept to really anybody. The first of the Ten Commandments says this, you shall not worship any gods before me. And the second one goes a lot like, do not make any graven images or idols and do not worship them. And so if you were growing up in this time, if you were a, a Jewish boy or girl, no matter where you came from, you knew the Ten Commandments, and you would know that this situation would violate the very first two. And so you could either decide uh, that we are going to obey the Ten Commandments and face a fiery death, or bow down and dishonor the Lord. Those in leadership on the plain of Dura had to make that decision. And in our culture today, we have to make that decision. Because as, the, as culture is coming at us at a rapid pace, things are changing rapidly. 
the court of public opinion has swayed against us. And I'm going to be honest with you, there is good reason that this court of public opinion has swayed against the church. The church in its history has done some terrible things in the name of the Lord and, and hateful things. But there's a lot of things that the church has not done that is hateful, in fact, has been very loving, or has upheld the values and the ethics of scripture, and yet the public is turning against them, turning against us. I was on this Reddit. Uh, Reddit is a, a, like kind of like a blog website where people can contribute and, and type their thoughts and ideas, and there's these things called a subreddit, which is like a sub-conversation off the main one. And in Reddit, there's a, a whole section called atheism. It's where people who are atheists, they just vent. And the tragedy of that Reddit is that they're hyper-focused on the terrible things the church has done or just what the church believes. And one of the worst ones that I ever heard on that or read it was um, there was this family, this atheist family, who told their child, you know, you believe whatever you want to believe will raise you in this home because we want to be open and welcoming and, and affirming of anything that anyone believes. The child came home and said, I believe in God now. And the person was writing on Reddit saying, I cannot believe this. How do I convince my child there is no God? I, they should never, ever believe such an, a terrible thing. And this is a family that had, they were literally expressing how they were open-minded, but now because Christianity was something they had just instinctively hated, they were trying to force their child to stop believing in God. And so the question we're going to ask today is, how should we respond when our faith contradicts the court of public opinion? How should we react when, when culture tells us one thing and our faith tells us another? And how do we engage in it in a loving, compassionate way? And we'll see this as the journey turns for our three heroes. It says uh, in, in the next verse, at this time, some astrologers, they came forward, some Chaldeans, and they denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into the blazing furnace. And I love how this is phrased. I, I, I kind of picture these guys being like, hey, your majesty, how's it going? Like, you're, you're so great. You're so wonderful. Remember that thing you said like five minutes ago about, you know, this whole worshiping the idol thing? Remember, we had a, that was a great time. And then you said something about like people who don't listen, they get thrown into the burning fiery furnace. Yeah, you remember, I want you to remember that. They're trying to provoke Nebuchadnezzar. And in verse 12, this is what they say. They said, but there are some Jews who you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Pay no attention, they pay no attention to you, your majesty. 
They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? These astrologers, these Chaldeans, they, they're high-ranking officials. They wouldn't just be able to refer to people in a king's court as some Jews. The, these guys are high enough rank where they had some respect with the king. But what they're trying to do is really ploy the king to, and challenge the king and basically say to the king, your majesty, these people are not only not worshiping your gods, they don't respect you. They're not loyal to you. You see, you ask people to bow down, and when the music plays, they bow. When the national anthem plays, you bow. And they aren't listening. They aren't listening to your command, O king. That means these people you put in charge of things aren't loyal to you, and you should get rid of them now. And so, of course, Nebuchadnezzar's gonna get angry and so he, he calls the guys in and, and asks them at this point, uh, is this true? Are you, are you not bowing to our gods? 